0: Welcome to today's episode of The Switch with Richard Jones, Britain's Got Talent winner and world-famous magician. Richard's journey to the top is unique. From a trombonist in the army to a magician performing on stages across the globe. In this episode, Richard shares his behind-the-scenes secrets of presenting to the impossible on stage even when things don't go to plan. But it's not just about the magic tricks. Richard's story is one of achieving impossible goals, mastering the art of visualization, and feeling confident and prepared for anything, even a live TV show in front of millions. He also shares how one moment of pure luck changed the direction of his life and how his transferable skills in a different profession have helped him succeed. Richard has never been overwhelmed throughout his journey, despite setting huge goals. His success comes down to one thing, how well-structured his plans and goals are. He's not afraid to take risks and ask for forgiveness, not permission but what really drives his ambition and success and what happens when you finally reach the top. Let's get started. Richard, welcome.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Richard, you're not only a military man and a magician, but you're also a musician. You play the trombone and the piano in the army. Which of those passions came first?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, I originally took up the trombone, in fact. So many, many years ago, uh, when I was quite young, I always remember there used to be a big military spectacular show uh, called the Royal Tournament. Uh, But I always remember that one of the stands, there was a Royal Marine bandsman who had a trombone and he was just kind of talking to people about how you can have a career in the military. From then, I I began fascinated by music and the military, really. So I started the trombone. A few years later, I started learning the piano. And then when I reached about 17, 18, that's when I started looking into trying to have a career as a musician in the army. Because in in my opinion, it's one of the best places to be a musician because you get to travel the world doing what you love with uh, a big group of people uh, who who you're friends with. So um, it was always my plan to be an bandsman in the army. I did actually apply for the... Uh, the Royal Marines band first, but they had never emailed me back. And then I uh, went and asked if I could join the uh, the army bands and they were uh, super welcoming. So maybe I just got the Royal, Royal Marines on a bad day, but that uh, ended my, my career going that direction. I joined the army and I was very, very pleased and uh, I've never looked back and uh, nothing against the Royal Marines band. I, I've worked with them many times since and they're lovely people. Uh, but yeah, that's just the direction my career took.
0: It didn't work out that way. Amazing. So tell me about this, the military connection then. You went to these these events was that because you lived near there or one of your parents was a member of the military?
1: So both of my parents were in the we were in the Army. And as far back as we can trace, uh, everyone in my family has been in the forces, uh, including my brother. My bro- brother is an am- ammunition technician, he's like a bomb disposal expert in the Army. Uh, very senior in the Army. And uh, the only person in my family background that hasn't been in the uh, the Army or, or the Navy uh, is my sister. But she's in the police, so we kind of let her off. That's, uh, that's just as good, no doubt. Uh, so I always wanted to join the army, always wanted to have that exciting lifestyle, always loved the idea of having adventures and every day being different. I was fascinated by, by the excitement of that. So it was always my plan to
0: join. Fantastic. Now, we've called this episode Heads or Tails because we wanted to explore decisional moments and the risk taking that's always a really big part of that. I imagine this is key to any magic act especially with an audience participation? Do you need to be ready to react to unexpected circumstances and do so really decisively?
1: Absolutely. So what most people don't really, well, probably don't realise when they come to my shows is that even though I, for example, my tour show that I'm doing at the moment, every show I is the same plan. I plan to do the same show every night. If you came to see two shows back to back, although the the general flow of the show will be very similar lots will be different and the reason for that is because i use a lot of audience interaction and participation in my shows and that keeps me on my toes that's part of what makes magic exciting for me is that even i don't know sometimes the direction that some parts of the show are going to go because it depends on my ability to understand and predict what decisions people in the audience are going to make and over the years, I got very good at it. And uh, but you, you never really know. Sometimes people could throw you a fastball, and and the, the whole show ends up being slightly different to how you plan. But the the uh, the thing that makes a good magician is someone who is able to change the outcome of what they had planned, depending on how how that interaction goes. So sometimes things would go wrong as such, but you would never. Realize as an audience member that something went wrong because it would still feel like a fantastic finish. That's what makes a good magician.
0: Wow. So next question leads into that very nicely. What's the balance between that agility and then the meticulous practising that you must do behind the scenes for any magic act?
1: Yeah, so I so I do lots of talks for magicians, in fact, and something I always tell them is to be a great magician, you have to think like a musician. And what do I mean by that is Anyone can go onto YouTube and you can learn a card trick and you can call yourself a magician. But there's a big difference between someone who, who just shows you a card trick and someone who entertains you and someone who understands the art form and understands how to create an experience of wonder for someone. And the reason I, I tell magicians to think like musicians is because there's, there's no fast track for a musician. If you if, if you've only started learning the guitar yesterday... You're not going to be able to play most. You're not going to be able to play something super impossible super advanced today. There's it, just it. It takes a lot of practice, practice, and dedication before you see yourself and call yourself a musician. Uh, whereas uh, in magic, it feels like that first uh, moment is is easy to fast track because you can still amaze someone with a magic trick that you learned on YouTube five minutes ago. It's still impressive. Uh, but it just doesn't, it's not using the full potential of what you what you can create. So as a musician, if I'm going to learn a piece of music on the piano, I would spend a, a long time, just in little chunks, I would spend a long time on maybe the first page, maybe just the first line of music. Maybe I'd repeat that a hundred times before I then move on to the next line. And then once I've learned all of the lines, I'd maybe play the whole piece all as a one, but a hundred times. And... Once you've done that, you can then perform and people will think you're, you're brilliant at the piano. They don't realize, that they, maybe they think you're just natural and you could just sight read that, but they don't realize that you've put a lot of work into it. So the thing that makes a great magician is someone who's really put in the time and dedication into not just practicing, uh, but rehearsing and, uh, and, and also being out and about entertaining. You, you can't get good at magic without performing for people. That's where you grow the most. When you're outside your comfort zone, and you're trying things out that you've you've spent hundreds of times you have rehearsed a 100 times but that moment when you perform for the first time that's when you learn the most and that's when you learn that you need to change this you need to change this because you didn't realize they would react or not be misdirected for example for at this stage so so you're always uh, change your things up but you can when i put a new piece of magic into my show it changes and evolves over time the more i perform it when the more i learn about my audience and how they react to the magic
0: Wow. So talking of live performances, especially in front of millions of people live on television, that must be absolutely terrifying. How do you handle that kind of pressure, particularly with new tricks?
1: Uh, that is, yeah, that's the terrifying thing from my background where, I, where I've where i come from is in the talent shows. The tricky thing about those kind of shows is one, you only have a few minutes, maybe three or four minutes to entertain people, which is tricky for in particular, in particularly uh, magicians and comedians, because we like to build up the audience to a big finish, and we like to put stories into it. Whereas, when you've got the risk of being buzzed, you really have, need to open with something flashy to capture their interest, that they're not going to buzz you, and then try and build a story and a routine into that tiny, tiny frame. And also, um, things change so much. Uh, very, very often, for for certain reasons, even on the day, even up to ten minutes before you do that performance, very often you you might have to change things because. It could be lots of different things. Maybe the the cameras have got an issue, is you can't get the over the head shot, or or maybe something happened in the news, which might cause a red flag as to the story that you're creating. Maybe people might think you're referring to something that's just been on because you're on live. You now need to change all that. Uh, so you always the the problem with with talent shows is very often the the performance you're doing, you might not have had that chance to perform for a hundred people and and get it to its best standard. Maybe you are just performing that for the first time and you're live in front of 25 million people, which is terrifying. But the 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 thing I always tell people to, to make sure you're in the most confident and the, the most prepared you can be is to visualize every moment and of that entire performance. Visualize it in your mind. I, before every show, I will sit and I will close my eyes And I'll visualize every element of what I'm going to do. I'd listen to the music and I'd imagine walking out and I'd imagine the judges and imagine what they would say. And I would go through that performance and down to every micro movement. What I'm going to say, the way I'm going to say it, what I'm pulling out of my pocket, what I'm doing with the tricks. Uh, And I, I go through that as many times as I can. And then by the time you actually go out onto that stage... You are way more prepared than you would have been if you hadn't have done that process, because in your mind, you've already seen and you've already lived that experience. You've already, to a certain degree, rehearsed in that moment of everything you're going to do. And it's a good way to feel more relaxed. I now do it before every show, not just TV shows, every show. I always imagine going out and what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it and how I'm going to do it. So by the time I go, I feel more relaxed and you'll, you'll always get a better rapport with your audience.
0: It's fascinating. And is it by like that the brain doesn't know if it's imagined or real? So in its mind it's a it's a real dress rehearsal in a way.
1: Exactly that. If you can visualise it vividly enough, which is the key, which is why you need the music and you need no distractions. You need to really just sit and imagine that whole process. Um and, and the other thing is is I I make a point to only in my in these visualization processes, I, I make a point of only seeing really positive outcomes. I imagine going out and the audience just being amazing and loving what I'm doing and getting lovely comments. Uh, just because if you, if you, in your, in your mind, if you picture going out and people are a bit wary of you and you think, oh God, they might buzz me and then people might boo me. You're, that first step and that walk out onto that stage, you're going to come across a, a little bit apprehensive, a little bit odd and a, a bit un a bit uneasy. And uh, you, you, you end up creating to a certain extent, what you picture in your mind. So if you picture what you want, you're more likely to create that naturally.
0: Love that. Absolutely brilliant. Now you did mention a couple of things that that might go wrong and sometimes they're outside of your control or more often than not, they're outside of your control. Can you give us an example or two that have actually happened to you?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So things, things, odd things happen all the time in my, in my shows. That's, that's why I love, love doing live shows. Uh, but I'll give you an example of uh, a TV moment recently. I, I did, um, a Christmas 2022. I did, um, a lot, a Britain's Got Talent Ultimate Magician. It was cool. And, uh, all, all the world's greatest magicians all in this one show is a fantastic show. Really, really excited to be a part of it. And, um, and I did this thing where basically I wanted to create a really special memory uh, for uh, Amanda in particular. Basically, I made a, a, a lady who actually saved Amanda's life many, many years ago, a Very uh, an amazing nurse. Uh, we, we made her appear in this illusion and we had this big reunion. It was lovely, it was really, really nice. But in the rehearsal, so we had this illusion and we had a layer of smoke on the stage and we had these little candles all dotted around. And uh, they were supposed to leave uh, a little gap so that I could, when I got Amanda, we could walk up to the illusion together and so we could avoid the candles. But uh, that was fine on rehearsals, but then on the actual moment that we went to film, whoever had laid out these candles, it must have been a different person, or maybe they were panicking, because... But when we actually came to film it, there were candles everywhere. And because of the layer of smoke, you couldn't quite tell where they were. You could just kind of see little rays. And because they're all different heights, you could see light in some places and not in others. And I just remember walking up to this illusion with Amanda, and I'm like tripping over candles all over the place. <laughs> and I think, and it's so easy for something tiny like that, something unpredictable, that could then throw your entire act. Because if, if you allow your energy to be drawn into this one little problem then the, the whole the whole plans could just crumble and uh so so I just I in the moment I was handled it quite well I was just uh, I kept my feet low to the ground I was just kicking candles uh, as I was going booting them out of the way and I don't think anyone noticed uh, so, so that was lucky but it's all, always the little things that can sometimes derail you but it, as long as you've got a really clear plan of what you're doing it's much easier to disregard anything that might throw a problem in there because the other thing is someone says a negative comment in the middle of your act while you're on BGT it, it lots of people that affects people and then their their act just goes downhill from there and it's it's, it's very important to not try not to be affected by anything that's out of your control Pe- what people say and what people think about you is completely out, out of your control just focus what you're in control of which is doing your best act or your best move focus on that and... Yeah, you'll you'll be less, you'll be distracted less and you'll be keep on track far, far better, yeah.
0: Amazing. Wow. I can't imagine how scary that must have felt at the time. So well done for keeping a, like being a swan, if you like, being the calm on top.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: So on the face of it, switching from the military to entertainment is quite a startling shift. So let's get straight to how that happened. So you were in the army and presumably passionate about that. You've already mentioned your family um, heritage there and very passionate about the music. So at what point did the profession magic become a real part of your vision?
1: Yeah, so I started magic when I joined the army. So I joined the army in 2010 and I just finished basic training, basic combat training. And uh, at the time I just joined the Band of the Parachute Regiment and we got sent overseas for a little while. And no one really knew me very well because I just joined this this uh, this group of people and I decided that it would be nice just to learn a, a new skill just to uh, to entertain people and and keep everyone busy and nice way to to make friends uh, so I always remember there was there was one night um, there was a, a guy in our local bar and he was shuffling cars doing card tricks and and I thought oh, it'd be such a good idea to learn car tricks but at this point I hadn't learned any car tricks Um uh, but I, they didn't know that. So I said, uh, I've got a card trick for you. I said, take any card out of this pack. Don't look at it. Put it face down on the table. So this guy did that. I looked at another guy in the bar and said, look, name any playing card. And I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, the Jack of Clubs. And I kept a straight face. I said, turn it over. And he turned it over. And just by potluck, it was the Jack of Clubs. Now, that was, it was obviously it was potluck. But that was the most amazing thing because everyone went, wild they were throwing chairs around like oh my god david blaine's in cyprus who is this guy and uh from that that moment on I, they knew me as the magic guy even though i didn't know any tricks but then every night i would try and learn something new for the next day just to entertain everyone that one moment changed the direction of my entire life the fact that that went well and the fact that i think the biggest part in fact was from that moment everyone's view of me was that I was this magician, and they always encouraged me, and I wanted to see more, and they were really supportive, and that I think guided me because I I loved the reaction, and I loved seeing the effect that I had on those people, and I loved the fact that they wanted more of what I was something special that I did, even though I didn't really do anything special. I felt like okay, this is something I can I can make an impact and and help people with. So so really, it was down to them and and them supporting and wanting more and encouraging my my magic career that allowed me to grow over the years uh, and just get bigger and better as i went
0: amazing now some of our listeners will know your story and will know that you are a planner i'm really interested to understand how your military career sort of helped you with your planning i guess for things and then how did you plan your magician profession
1: so um, I'm known in the media as the military illusionist, and, and the reason for that is what I try to combine is the interesting skills and techniques I've picked up in my army career with my fascination of magic and the art of deception and suggestion to create something a little bit different. And that is not just on stage. I, I use a lot of techniques that I've picked up in my army career on stage to do certain things, to influence people and to help guide people and, and that kind of stuff, which, which I find fascinating. But also I use a lot of my military skills that I've learned in behind the scenes in the business side of what of what I do um, i uh, i love planning goals i just i'm just pretty obsessed with it in fact uh, to the point where i think all of my success is down to how well i've structured out my plans and my goals and i i believe having a uh, uh, a set idea as to what you want to achieve say for example many years ago probably 2014 I decided okay I want to perform magic on tv so that was my ultimate goal to perform magic on a tv show and then I broke that down into tiny tiny worked backwards like going going down on a ladder worked out into tiny tiny little segments of all the little things that I could do to get to that to that goal so that every morning uh, I would wake up and I wouldn't need to overthink anything i wouldn't need to think right what can i do today to help me get towards that target i wouldn't need to because i would just look on my wall and there'd be a big chart with all these little micro movements micro plans uh, that i need to do and all i would need to focus on is that next step in that ladder so i was never overwhelmed with lots of different things and overwhelmed with with this huge scale mountain that i wanted to climb i was only ever focused on one tiny little task uh, that I needed to do next and once so I'd done that it would tick it off the list next task next task next task and uh, so all those little small wins also keeps you naturally keeps you quite motivated because you feel like okay I can see myself progressing through this and I know I'm on the right direction uh, to what I want to achieve so uh, going back to 2014 I uh, I printed out pictures of all the people I admired on TV uh, there was Dynamo there's lots of Darren Brown and lots of David Blaine, all these magicians that I admired. I put pictures on my walls and all of my targets I've broken down into tiny, tiny little chunks were all on the walls as well and like A3 uh, bits of paper written down and then highlighted in lots of different colors. So my army room on uh, Windsor Barracks was just full of color and pictures of all the things I wanted to achieve. And the thing that was quite funny is every Friday, the man in charge of the accommodation on the army barracks He'd go round and he'd be tasked just to make sure that people aren't destroying the army barracks. Um, So he he would maybe pop into, out of hundreds of rooms, he'd maybe pop into six or seven, just make sure everything's nice and tidy, and then he'd say his job's done and and that's fine. But every week I was one of those six, and every week he'd bring someone else because he, he loved knocking on my door, me opening, he loved showing whoever he was bringing Uh, that week showing just how crazy that musician in the band was who they'd open the door and say look how crazy this guy is look all these look at his walls he's he's a lunatic look at all these goals and every week they'd have a little laugh and say god oh you're you're a tv magician yeah and they'd like like giggle about it which is in a nice way they weren't being harsh but i i used that to my advantage so i applied to pretty much every show going and i was so determined to do magic on tv and gradually. Little th- little wins kept happening, so I got on the chase with Bradley Walsh. Did a trick for him, which was great. That was a, a tick on the list, so I'd, I didn't want to stop there. So I applied to uh, lots more shows. So I then got on a show called Pick Me with um, Stephen Mulhern, which was a daytime TV show. Did a trick on there, thinking so, yeah, this is great. Then I saw our adverts for Britain's Got Talent. for yep, let's guarantee. Let's go there. Let's, let's audition for that. Uh, I did that, and obviously I, I kept getting through, which was amazing. And the, the thing that's quite nice is when I won the show eventually. It was probably about eight months before I managed to get back to that army room to collect all my stuff. And it was quite a nice feeling that on that day I had to pack all my stuff down and I had to sign over the room back to that guy who used to turn up every Friday to inspect my room. So it was quite nice that I packed up the room and then he came and uh, shook my hand and said, like, it was just such a nice feeling to, to see that after all those years of him kind of joking like oh yeah you on tv doing magic yeah and then and shaking his hand to say oh it's lovely knowing you but yeah i made it this is great it was so nice
0: that's incredible and do you think it's that methodi- like actual methodical and really detailed approach that's the key to your success
1: i uh, 100 so i do in everything uh whether it's structuring a two-minute routine in magic I, i'll I'll list the key points and then I'll break those down into tiny sections as to what I need to rehearse. Uh, and so then I can work backwards and figure out is there any extra effects I can add on to that to make that main effect stronger. And I, I, so I've started using using recently, which uh, I'm hoping i to say it's a, obviously a, a company, but Notion I've just started using, which is a great app and to you can do tables and lists and you can access it on your phone or laptop, wherever you are. So I've just started using that. Um, which is, I love being organized. I, I, I feel very overwhelmed very quickly if I'm not in control of everything and maybe I'm a control freak, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like if, if anything feels unachievable, I won't achieve it. I need to break it down into achievable chunks and then I'll feel comfortable.
0: Amazing. And do you feel that the, the mythology of ticking things off and feeling like you've made progress those small wins is that a a part of that confidence
1: absolutely absolutely because something that's nice is over time over maybe a week or two weeks you look back and see how far you've climbed up that to-do list ladder and you feel like wow I'm 15 steps ahead of where I would have been if I hadn't ever ever made this list because it's very easy to get that's the other thing I think is key is it's very easy to feel like you're busy but not really doing it, getting anything done. It's very easy to be, to decide, oh, I, yeah, I, I know I need to do that, but first I need to tidy the studio and spend an hour tidying the studio and it feels like being proactive, tidying the studio. But really you're just procrastinating, you're just wasting time. So it's it's nice to be able to visually see your progress and that you're moving in the right direction. It's less, Then you're less likely to procrastinate.
0: Focusing your time on the right things. On the,
1: right the, the right things. The right is key, actions.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So... You went to see, uh, pack up your room. You saw the guy that used to inspect your room. What was the reaction of your other army colleagues? They,
1: they were really supportive. Because I used them uh, on TV, they joined me on, on Britain's Got Talent and also the Royal Variety show. I got all my friends in the in the band, They all came on with me, so it was a really nice experience. Um, and so they were really supportive and, and they were really behind me. And actually, the thing that's nice that I would love to mention is uh, the my first ever audition for... Britain's Got Talent, my, not my first audition. Like that was at the Excel Centre. My first televised audition, which is when you first meet the judges. Um, they, BGT, contacted me on a Tuesday and said, "Look, we we liked your audition at the Excel Centre, the pre-kind of TV um, version, um, audition. Can you come up to Liverpool on Friday to perform for the celebrity judges in Empire Theatre in Liverpool?" And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to get Friday off. It was like, it was already Tuesday. And we were supposed to be doing, as a band, performing music in Buckingham Palace uh, Garden um, for the Queen and her, her fancy party that she was having. And the thing that's funny is, I went to ask my boss, I said, look, I'm, you're probably not going to be able to let me off, but BGT have asked me if I can audition. And he was so supportive and he, he was so enjoyed the magic I, I guess that I'd been performing over the years that he said yeah go and do it we'll we'll make it work at our end. so he gave me the day off to go and to go and do that but the, the other thing that's quite funny as well is originally I had to get permission from I think it was like colonel level to be performing on TV and being known as a, a soldier because there'd be nothing worse for the army if someone's features on TV and they're a joke act and someone they're taken, humiliated on on TV, which happens quite often. Uh, So I couldn't actually get any permission from the people that I needed permission from. But my boss said, look, go and and do it just between us, go and do it. And the thing that's funny is when that first audition aired and it went well, those same colonels and the people in charge who were the people who didn't really want to give me permission because they didn't want it to be on their hands if it went badly. They were the same people that were then email and say, oh, I'm, we're so pleased we let you do it and all that kind of stuff. So so it was a bit more of a uh, don't ask for permission, kind of ask for forgiveness moment. But I knew if I didn't take that step, it would be impossible to, to progress doing TV while I was in the army. So I, I knew that even though they didn't really want to give me that permission, I knew I had to risk it.
0: Do you think your transparency and taking people around you along with your vision and your goals, like you were very transparent about it, everybody knew what your goals were. Do you think that helped those those little micro stages, getting that Friday off, for example?
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and uh, I think they did. Uh, I believe accountability is is super important. Uh, I i I always loved, even right from the roof first moment when i started learning those little tricks in when i was in cyprus at the start of my magic career i would always agree to stuff even if i wasn't ready for it so i always remember um my first like stand-up kind of stage style show uh was only about four months into me learning those little card tricks Uh, there was an officer who said look we've got this big dinner night coming up can you do something for the whole room and I'd never done that before and I didn't have any tricks that would work for that. But I, I said yes. And then in the the time between me agreeing to it and actually doing it, that was probably the fastest I've ever progressed in anything because I had no choice because I was held accountable. That is the date I need to be ready. I wasn't going to look stupid. So uh, I worked really super hard in that time and then, and then I did it. It wasn't the greatest show I'd ever done, but I felt on top of the world because in the space of four months, I'd gone from learning one little trick to then entertaining a room of 120 people using magic a skill that i didn't i'd only just learn so that was a a a big boost but i i think you're more likely to get opportunities in life if people the people who can give you those opportunities know that you want them i um for example if if you want to be a presenter on tv if you never tell anyone that no one's just going to hand you that or guide you in the right direction whereas if you kind of express that and 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 uh maybe further down the line people will be discussing all of a sudden they need a presenter for this TV spot like who can we use and it's like oh well we we know this guy wants to wants to do that let's get him in for a chat maybe that would work and then so I, I think the more people that know about your goals and your targets the better because you can't do everything on your own you need other people to help and guide you and, and get involved at different points so you're better off letting them know about it and, and if anyone ever gives you a hard time don't worry about it just Try your best. It's not as easy as said than done that, but try not to worry. I think once you've got over the first few steps in your ladder and you're starting to see, or, or, and other people are starting to see that you're moving towards that target that they, they're not being supported over, they're more likely to change their mind and and see. Just like in the army when I started doing the TV shows, all of a sudden it wasn't the joke anymore. They were like, wow, he's really doing this. That's great. And then they were really supportive. So I kind of had to get over the, the first however many, probably years of people thinking I was crazy to think I could be a soldier and a TV magician at the same time. It was crazy. No one's ever done that. Um, so I had to get over that first, but then they were super supportive. Once I'd, once I'd started seeing progress.
0: I think that's a really, really valuable advice. Share with as many people as possible, what your plans are and those little moments of gold can come from anywhere. So let's take those few steps back then to what you've just mentioned. You know these things don't happen overnight, and when people were maybe taking a little bit of the fun out of you about your ambitions, did that hurt you? Did you consciously use it to spur you on? Did it set you back?
1: It just definitely doesn't help. Um, in unless you can, I guess you can. There's a way of reframing it so that you, it drives you more. I don't think that's necessarily. I don't think that necessarily happened with me, but I know some people are spurred on by the idea of proving people that they're wrong and that you can really do something. So if that works, that's great. I I think that the best thing is is to, I mean, lots of people have ideas about motivation and what motivates them. I think find as many things that inspire and motivate you as possible and do all of them. Do as many as you can, find find stuff. I, I do think there there is certain things to be careful of. And one of those things is, I think there is a risk that you could end up being stuck in the motivation and self-improvement cycle and what i mean by that is i i remember probably early in my army career and magic career when uh i s- started watching really motivational videos on youtube like uh T- tony robbins was a big one and i and what he says is gold as in in terms of Whatever it is you want to do, decide you want to do it and just take action. Just go and do it. Don't wait for anything, which is great advice. And all of the people who are inspiring on, on YouTube and, and hold inspiring events and stuff, they're all inspiring. But they all, it's essentially it's all the same message. Decide what you want, go and do it. And all the books, all the self-improvement books all have that same message. But there is a risk that you could get addicted to the motivation cycle. And you end up reading a book and you feel really motivated. Okay, yeah, I know what I want to do. And then, but then you think, you know what? I've just seen this other book as well. That looks really good. I tell you what, I'm going to read that book first and then I'm going to get on and do it. And then you read that and then you think, okay, I'm going to read this other book. And then, or or you're going to watch this other video and you're going to go to another Tony Robbins event. And, And you end up, before you know it, Four years down the line, you you're still feeling motivated because you're reading all this motivated content, but you've still not made any steps to 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 start and and to get going. So I I think if if you feel like you want to read someone's book to be inspired to start, absolutely do it. But then at some point you've got to decide and take that that action because it's a shame. I think the the, the motivation in the self improvement industry is so big because no one really ever leaves it. No one ever reaches that. Well, the people do. Don't get me wrong, but it's very easy never to reach your targets because you're always in that limbo of wanting to do that next course and then that next course. And and I, I think that it's become so powerful that a lot of the speakers and motivational gurus, who they are uh, no doubt called, uh, their their job isn't necessary to get you to take action. It's to get you to just feel so motivated and so addicted to that motivation that you want to then buy the next course and next course, but. But the best thing that they all say, but it's difficult to do, is just once you're, you've found what motivates you, do that, take that first step. And, and the best time to do anything is right now. Never say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. and Do it now.
0: Take action now. I love it. So let's think about risk of failure. Would you have felt crushed if ultimately you decided that magic wouldn't work as a career for you? And would you have been entirely happy to have just then stayed within the army, etc.?
1: I, I was very lucky that if I was still in the army now, I would still be living the dream, having a great time. I I always, I've always considered myself super lucky that I've always enjoyed what I what I do, and and I think I like to think that it wouldn't even necessarily determine be determined by what I do. I feel like I can find enjoyment in whatever I do. I think. I'm certainly not driven by money and financial figures. I'm very lucky that I'm very secure and I, I earn a lot of money doing what I do. But it doesn't. That's not really what drives me. What drives me is, is, I think, create. I I love the in creating magic for people, and I don't mean that by doing magic tricks. That could be by music as well. I think you can tell when. When you're creating an experience for people, and and I've experienced that in my music career, performing that moment of wonder where everyone can be in, enwrapped in that moment, and all all the worries that you have can just sit to one side for now because you're at this moment they're focusing on what you're doing. I think that's the beauty of what what I've seen music does, as well as magic. Um, so I, I, even if I wasn't doing Even if I, even if for whatever reason, magic can't ever be a successful thing ever again for anyone, I would still love to do it. I would do it for free and I would still love to be doing my army career. I'm very lucky in that sense.
0: Um, Is failure ever a prospect on your mind or not, not on your mind at all?
1: I think it depends on what success is. And I think for me, success is doing magic and performing magic and music. And I think even if there was no money in that, I would still be doing that. And that's what makes me feel successful is when I can see in someone's eyes that I've, I've really made their day by doing a piece of magic. Um, I So it, like, it depends. I mean, pe- a lot of people are guided and they decide that success is when they hit a certain amount of money. Uh, but really I think success is living a life doing what you love to do whether that's with a job that you love or you or you get to travel a lot like you could you could earn no money but in you could be the most successful person in the world because you're doing what you love so I, I think that's that's a key because I think naturally in life we all are judged by what our job is and how much money we earn when actually really success isn't based on that I've been to Places in the, in the world Where people have hardly anything But they're the most fun and lovely people You'll ever meet And you, they're my favourite experiences And then the Other ends of the spectrum I've done shows for billionaires On yachts in the Caribbean And Kind of wonder What the point of having all of that is Because they're not, They don't come across like They're having a great time And it's it's, it's interesting I'm not saying that that's the, always the case I've met lovely millionaires And billionaires And, uh, and yeah, vice versa, but by I I think oh okay, this is this is useful. Success and our life is isn't determined by the things that happen to us and around us. It's the perception of those things that affects our happiness and our success. So it doesn't matter. You you could have terrible things happen to you or great things happen to you, but if in your perception you're Seeing that in a tainted glass, in whichever direction, you're always going to be the gui- guided by that. You can, you could be super happy and successful with nothing, absolutely. Or you could be, or 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 in your own perspective, maybe you need this and this and this and this to feel successful. And I think that's why you find super happy people and super grumpy people at both ends of those of that financial spectrum. I, th- I think really you need to figure out what, what you personally consider success. And I don't think that's an easy question to ask yourself. I think that's a, uh, something that takes real thought.
0: And probably evolves over time.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of our decisions and our view of success isn't actually decided and upon by ourselves but on what we what think other people expect of us is success very often i think we're trying to climb a ladder that is just to show someone else that we've done something good as opposed to climbing our own ladder as to what we really want to create
0: and something we had a quick chat about earlier was when you reach in maybe external people's minds at the top of your professional we could compare to an olympian winning a gold medal what's What's next? So in my opinion, you've reached the very top of your game, but I know you've got plans for at least the next 10 years. So how does that evolve? And what types of things might you plan after reaching your previous goal?
1: After I won Britain's Got Talent, I had, it took me quite, quite some time to figure out what I wanted to do next. Because when I decided in kind of 2014 time that I wanted to do magic on TV, I expected that would take me six, seven, maybe 15 years. And I had this whole plan laid out step by step. So I knew the direction I I needed to go, but I didn't realize it would happen so fast. And obviously the beauty of Bridgewater Talent, especially is, is it helped me jump 15 steps in that ladder. Um. So I, yeah, it took me a while to figure out, okay, what, what's, what, what do I want to do next? So I, I, set target i wanted to perform in the west end and I, I went and did that i was very lucky so i was in the west end for a few months uh, then i wanted to do a tour show every year and i've done that every year since and i'm very lucky at the point i'm at right now i feel really happy with the amount i do right now i i do a, a theater tour all around the uk every year i do lots of trips abroad to perform in lots of interesting places every year do a lot of corporate shows uh, which i love doing i do a lot of talks uh, which i find fascinating and, and that helps me keep keep motivated when i when i discuss like this is gold for me this is a great way to 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 keep motivated is by talking about this kind of stuff and meeting like minded people uh so at, at this moment in time although i do have uh, lots of different aspirations that I, I want to achieve at this moment in time i'm really comfortable with where i'm at and my focus at this moment in time is to keep up with all the things I'm doing, um, and I I don't want to overstress myself. I've I've almost reached a point where now, if something comes in an opportunity that I think would be nice to do, but I think it will really stress me and it, it might affect how I'm feeling. I I'd rather turn it down if it's gonna negative. If I think, like say it's, it's a a huge fee, but it will negatively affect me because it means I'll have to lots of things that I don't really like to do enjoy doing I'd rather turn it down now and focus on the things that I enjoy so it's uh I certainly find it tougher now to figure out specifically what I want to do next, but I do have lots of lots of other goals I want love, love to do a bit more presenting and and, and something i i have pitched a few t v show ideas recently um and something i I actually love the idea of is is creating those shows but putting them as as an online content instead and, and using YouTube and that kind of platform because then it's there forever. Whereas TV shows, you kind of hit and you, you hope you get a big audience for that one moment and, and then after that, you never see it again. It's gone. Um, so, yeah, I've got a number of things I'm working on. And uh, I, as long as my base level, I am carry on doing the things I enjoy each year, the shows and the corporate stuff, then and, and I'm really happy at the moment.
0: Fantastic. Oh, we can't wait to see what your plans uncover. Would you describe yourself as an extrovert? A solo magic act is much more exposing than playing a musical instrument as part of a band. So I wondered how much of your performance is a persona?
1: Uh, I'm very introverted, in fact, and I, I love being on stage. And when I'm on stage, I, I love putting on a show and, and getting people involved. But w- when I'm off stage, I... I never would choose to be the centre of attention I would never go to an event and and want all eyes on me I'm very kind of um, yeah I don't really crave that unless I'm on stage and and even when I am on stage I try my best to make the show about the audience as opposed to about look at me this is something flashy that I can do I I try to spin that around so that I I try my best to make sure a lot of the things in my show feels like the audience member who's just come onto stage has done that for me. And it's an amazing way, like how, wow, how have they achieved this, which is a nice thing to see. Um, so yeah, I, I get yeah, not extroverted at all. I would say.
0: Really, really interesting. Um, do you tri- attribute any of your success to an entrepreneurial mindset?
1: Um, I certainly think the motivated mind and uh, the, what I crave the most is is the feeling of progressing towards a specific direction and a, and a, and a goal and um, so I, yeah, I guess wanting to grow and expand and and create things is is something that, that fascinates and excites me. So I'd say so.
0: Definitely. Sounds like it to me. So we touched on this before, but what I'd really love for you to do is paint a picture of what success and financial security means to you.
1: Success for me would, uh, well, my opinion of success is, <clears throat> is looking, waking up every day and looking forward to the things you have to, that you, that you know you're, you've got to do that day. If if you can wake up the majority of mornings knowing that you're excited about what you're going to do today, I think that's a really good place to be. And I f- I think that is the feeling of success, knowing that you're making a difference every day. Well, not it doesn't have to be every day, but you feel like you're overall making a difference throughout the year and you're doing what you enjoy to do and you're excited to do. I think that is success. And I think financially If you earn the However much you need To be able to do that I think That is financial success Everything else you earn On top of that is a bonus As long as you earn enough To enjoy what you do I think that's That's the perfect balance
0: Brilliant answer um, We've reached the final question what advice would you give to people who are contemplating a life or career leap of their own?
1: I would say plan it wisely. If I I would I was very lucky that it never felt too much of a leap for me. For example, when I did Britain's Got Talent, because of the fact that I already loved what I was doing anyway, I knew that if I went onto TV and I fell flat and it and no one loved it and 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 it didn't go well. It wouldn't be the end. It wouldn't have been the end of the world for me because I was still loving what I was doing. I was very lucky, so I, I feel like maybe I'm not qualified to tell people what to do in this sense because I was very lucky. For example, if it was a full time magician going on the on the show, it's a lot more risky because if they go on and and BGT make them feel like a joke act, that could affect their entire career and all of their incomes. So it's a huge risk. So I don't want to necessarily tell people to go out and take huge, huge, huge risks. I would say do your best to find a a safety blanket, I think, of maybe maybe just meticulously safe so that you've got six months to a year maybe of, of money that you can fall back on if whatever you're going for doesn't work out straight away the way you planned it. And maybe just whatever it is, try to work towards it while you've got the safety net of whatever it is you're doing now or you've got a steady income, tr- but, but focus all your time and energy in, in your spare time to moving forward but I, I, I wouldn't hold it against you I, w- I would encourage it if you do take the leap to and go nose first straight into it go for it but just yeah make sure that you know every step of the journey or you, that you've planned every direction that, you, that you're going to do into tiny little achievable goals and don't waste time in that studio and doing all these other little side things only focus on what's next on your list And, uh, yeah, and I would, I would like to think that's good advice, but uh, yeah, I won't know until someone uh, tells me in 10 years time that, oh yeah, that advice was good. It helped. uh, Or maybe they'll tell me the opposite. So uh, I don't know.
0: I think that's really, really sound advice. So Richard, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. This has been a pleasure.
0: So Richard, please share with the audience where they can find out more, where can they see you performing?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. So I, I every year I do uh, a UK tour. So I'll go all over the all over the place. So if anyone wants to come and see my live show, um, if they go to richardjonesmagic.co.uk, all my dates are always on there. I'd love to have you at the show. And if you do ever come to any of my shows, keep an eye for me in the foyer afterwards because uh, you'll always see me there wandering around, saying hi to everyone and, and thanking people for coming, and and uh, be prepared for it to be a very interactive show. Uh, but apart from that, I do lots of corporate events and maybe i'll bump into at another event somewhere a fancy dinner and where i'm maybe doing a talk or magic but if you ever do bump into me make sure you do come and say hi
0: fantastic in this episode of the switch we had the pleasure of speaking to richard jones britain's got talent winner and world famous magician Richard shared some invaluable insights to his success and what it takes to achieve goals. One of the key takeaways from our conversation is the importance of planning wisely. Richard emphasized the need to break down your journey into tiny achievable goals and know every step of the way. He also emphasized not wasting time and always focusing on the next thing on your list. Richard's journey to success was not without risks and he encourages others to take a leap of faith and pursue their dreams. He also stresses the importance of sharing your plans with others as you never know who might be able to help you along the way. Finally, Richard shares his technique for visualisation, both on his walls and in his imagination, which he believes is a crucial part of achieving your goals. Overall, our conversation with Richard on this episode of The Switch was inspiring and full of practical advice for anyone looking to achieve success in their own life. Thank you for listening. We'll